0: There is a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has a five-foot foot, roofed <laughs> colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir... I have no one to put me into the pool when the water, when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. Now that was the day of the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who had healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said it to you? Take up your bed and walk. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuted Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working." This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God.
1: I'm John Bergees, and in continuation of our series on Encounters with Jesus, I'm going to be spending the next about 20, 25 minutes to half an hour uh, talking about or looking at the healing of the crippled man. From this passage that Andrea read. We always remember big incidents that happen or happened to us or encounters that happened to us. And we remember those most of the time because it's changed the trajectory of our life. And so if you look at your life, or if I look at mine, you remember, you know, when you graduated. You remember. Uh, when you, you were engaged for those of us who are married you remember when you got married you remember your first international trip if you've gone on a missions trip and you remember all these things you of course remember when you got saved when you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior and you remember these and are thankful to God for what he's done. But for a moment, can you look back to your life and look at some big incident that happened to you or in your life that did not change the trajectory of your life, something that just happened and that's it. And for most of us, we will not be able to remember And the reason for that is because it didn't change anything. And so this afternoon, we're going to look at one such incident. It's about this man who had been sick for 38 years. That's a long, long time to be sick. But he had been sick for 38 years, and Jesus comes along and heals a man, and he just walks away. From the passage, you're going to see that we don't see that it really impacted the trajectory of his life, that nothing really happened. He got healed, but that's it. So I want to look at the healing aspect, the distraction, and the glory, or the cure, the commotion, and the credit. That's the way I have put it. So, before we get into the passage, let me just read the first few verses just to get us into the background. After this, verse 1, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Beth- Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay multiple A multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. It starts off by saying, it says, after this, there was a feast of the Jews. After this means, there's been a gap since the last incident. And there's a reference of a feast in Jerusalem. There is, it doesn't say what feast. And I don't want to assume anything here. Whatever feast it was, the Jews were all heading up to Jerusalem. And of course, a feast, like for us, Christmas or Easter, is a big thing. And for them, this feast was a big thing. So they all were going up to Jerusalem. And so Jesus and his disciples also decided, okay, we'll go to Jerusalem. And so that's what is happening. And it talks about this place here. It says the pool... uh, called Bethesda. Now, Bethesda, and it says it was, it had five colonnades and I'm going to call these as five houses. Okay? Uh, There were these hot springs around these five, uh, and these five houses around these hot springs. And people were bringing their sick ones to be healed. So what is happening was that When the water came through the aqueducts in the city, the water would rise and the people, sick people, would go in there and get healed. And we all know, uh, you know, the hot springs do have a healing effect. Now, in my Bible and in yours too, I'm thinking, there is no verse four, it's missing. And when I did a little research about this, it was this verse 4 is not there in the original manuscripts. That's what happened. So some Bibles have it with notes. So I'm going to just leave that out because it is not in the original, but it is added afterwards. So, we'll, so I just wanted to point that out. But it's a really, really sad place because what's happening is there are sick people that are being brought here. So there could be anybody anywhere from you know, somebody who has been sick for a month, a week, a month, six months, a year, ten years. And we see in this case 38 years. Just put yourself in this man's shoes. 38 years? That's a really, really long time. And if you look further, it says he wants to go down to the water, but there is no one to help him. So physically he's sick. I'm sure that has had an impact on his social life, on his emotions, and everything, on his, definitely on his spiritual life. And so he's just there. He's just stuck in this place. Even most probably the relatives that brought him and left him here, they've all gone. They've stopped visiting him. Because he said, there's really nobody to help me out. And so he's of course looking to Jesus for some help. Of course he doesn't know it's Jesus. So let's look at the cure. John is pointing out here that this man is really really in need. You know, it's it says in verse verse 6, When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? Jesus comes there. Now the in- real interesting part is, you know, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. But he takes a detour. So he's going to the feast, but instead, as God, he knows that there is this one man who's been there 38 years. And he goes for that one man. It's just like us. You know, Christ took a detour, came into this world, to the earth. So that he would suffer and die, so that we could have salvation. So that's what Christ is doing here. He takes a detour and he comes and sees this man. But as God, he knew that he had been there 38 years. There were, of course, hundreds and most probably hundreds and thousands of sick people here. It is not just this one person, because there were five houses. So most probably this, you know, it's, it's, there are lots of sick people. But Christ comes only, for looking, only looking for that one person. One out of hundreds and thousands. The key verse there is, Jesus knew that this man had been there for 38 years. That seems to be the key verse in this passage. It's the same with us. Jesus knows where I am, where you are today. He knows what you are going through today. He knows your state. He knows the struggles that you have. Just like he knew about this man. And so, of course, he asks the question, verse 6. He says, do you want to be healed? That's Odd question. I mean, if you are God and you knew that He's been there 38 years, why would you ask, Do you want to be healed? But it's really not an ordinary question. It is a question that He wants the man to think. It's a soul searching question. So basically, He's saying, Do you want to be healed? Most probably physically and spiritually. So it's, it's a very deep question. He also wants him to realize, you know, as you've been trying to do this, so you're basically helpless. And I'm, I've come here to help you. But the man, of course, doesn't get it. You know, Christ is showing compassion and mercy and wants to help him out. But he looks at his plight. He looks at his misery and says, you know, I've been trying this for 38 years. Every time that water rises, you know, I try to go, but I'm sick, I'm paralyzed. There's always somebody who gets there before me. So I keep trying, and there's nobody to help me. And maybe he's saying, you know, he's expecting, can you take me to that water? Verse 8. Jesus commands him, get up, take up your bed and walk. 3 action verbs there. Get up or rise. Take up your bed and walk. Jesus of course, you know, he could have no, he couldn't say this but he did not say something like, here let me help you up. You know, let's let, let's try and go to the water. No, he didn't say that. He also didn't say, okay, you know, let's, let's see if you're strong enough to get up. No. Jesus just said, rise. He just spoke that word and he was healed. And it reminds me of, uh, you know, how John starts off the gospel where he says, all things were made through him. A reference to what happened in Genesis. Where God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, the Trinity was involved in creation, and Jesus was the one who spoke everything into existence. And so he spoke into existence, and here he's speaking healing. And that's just awesome that Jesus does that. This is a supernatural intervention. How can or how could a paralyzed person, a paralyzed man, just jump up? And carry his bed and walk. The question for all of us in our situation. In what you are going through today is. Does this healing of the man depend on the man's faith? Was it dependent on his faith? No. It was dependent on Christ's power. So also. With all everything that we are going through today now, we you know, as we as humans at least I know for myself keep trying you know after you know, I'll do this and then this and then this and then nothing happens prayer is our first move here at church and we try and do that in our home But here, it was not dependent on his faith. It was dependent on the demonstration of the power of Christ. So it is with us too. It is anything that needs to change in our lives is dependent on the demonstration of Christ's power. So that's what happened with the healing. You would think with healing there would be joy, and praise, and like, you know, hosannas? That doesn't seem the way it is. Verse 8 says, get up, take up your bed, and walk. At once the man was healed. He took up his bed and walked. And then, now that day was the Sabbath. It was a wrong day, to you know as god jesus could have done that on on a friday he could have come one day early right he could have come or maybe when he was heading back out monday or tuesday he could have done it then too but it was very very intentional on jesus part to do it on a sabbath on the sabbath which is for the jews it was the saturday and that's that's really really important because that is where the tension or the pressure or the problems are here. So let's look at the commotion or the distraction. It had caught us because he had healed on the Sabbath it had caused a stir. There was a higher level of anxiety and nervousness because of what Jesus had done. know. On the Sabbath, they had a whole bunch of rules. You know, If you've grown up in a Christian home, you know how it is. You know, we have all these rules for everything. And so also, these Jews had a whole bunch of rules for, for the Sabbath. It, this was over and above what was there in the Old Testament. But of course, this man, you know, I don't think he thought about those rules at that point in time. He got healed. He jumped up. He took up his bed, and he started walking. And you would think, you know, all these people who are there, all these Jews, they would see him and say, what's going on, dude? What happened? I've, I think I've seen you there. Because, you know, uh, I'm supposed to, as a Jew, I'm supposed to do all these good things. help the poor, and I think I dropped some food over one time. I, I brought some money. How did you get well? How come you're walking? Were you able to get into the water finally? And you would think his response should have been no, no. As this guy Jesus you know, he's told me to stand up and I stood up and I'm strong again now. But that's not really how it happened. When he picked up his bed it caught the attention of everybody else. Because they had created these rules, and one of those rules was, uh, there were 39 sets of categories of work that you could not do on the Sabbath. That's what, they, that's what the, the Pharisees had. 39 sets of rules. And one of those was, rules said, you could not carry a load from one location to another. You could not carry a load from one location to another. Was this guy carrying a load? He was just carrying his bed. Like sleeping bag. And it had caught the attention of the people. So instead of, you know, praising God and thanking God, this guy has been healed. Their reaction is nothing about that. It's about, dude, why are you carrying a bed? What's going on? You're not supposed to do it. The Jewish system was a burdensome system of traditions and rules that they had in place. So Sabbath was supposed to be a gift given for rest. That's a gift given for rest by God. A day when they could rest and they had to remember their creator. Sabbath, you know, when, when God created on the six days and rested on the seventh, That rest was not for God. God didn't need rest. I mean, let's assume for a minute, you know, I'm just gonna extend this. Let's let's assume for a minute that God rested on the Sabbath. What would happen? This morning we wouldn't have sunlight, right? We wouldn't have a sunset. Everything would stop. So God doesn't rest. So God didn't need rest. That Sabbath there. Sabbath day was for you and me, was for the Jews. They had completely forgotten what the law really meant. They had forgotten the ultimate purpose. Sabbath was a gift that was given for rest and remembering the creator. Instead, they had made rules that were burdensome and impossible to carry. They wanted this outward conformity, and it had replaced their heart's commitment. How sad that is. So, let's be careful about even, you know, for some of us who have kids, with our kids and rules that we create. Just let's be careful that, yeah, we need rules, but is it getting to the heart? That's the question. Now, that was the reaction of the people. What is the reaction of the guy? The guy who was healed. Let's look at that for a minute. Verse 11 The man who healed me told me to take up my bed. Really? Instead of saying, You know, you see, I'm, I'm well, I can walk, and Jesus healed me. No. He blames Jesus. He says, The guy who told me, and it says further down, he doesn't even know his name. He said, That Guy told me. And then afterwards it says that he went and tattled about Jesus too. He was making all sorts of excuses for breaking the man-made Sabbath rules because he was afraid of the Jews. He was afraid of the Jews. He was unwilling or he did not have the courage to tell the truth about Jesus. And was unwilling to take a stand. He was unthankful. And we don't see anywhere in the scripture. Where he was giving thanks to God. This was a man. Who had been healed. But his life had not been transformed. He was healed. But his life had not been transformed. Now the last two Sundays. We saw. Two other incidents, we saw Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he went to Jesus. And after the conversation, his life was different, because when you go further down in, in the Gospel of John, you see that Nicodemus came, he became a public, he publicly, publicly professed about Jesus, and he took care of Jesus' body. So all the Pharisees would know, yes, he is a follower of Jesus. The woman at the well last Sunday, she came for water and she got to drink living water. And she went back to her village, told everybody, saying, you know, look at this guy, what he's done for me. And the whole village came and Jesus stayed there for two more days is what the scripture says. So you see that there was an impact their life the trajectory of the life of their lives had changed but for this man we don't see any of that this man was healed but his life was not transformed but we see the transformation in the other two so healing is good but transformation is much much more important what about the credit, verse 14 to verse 18? The credit or the glory, where, uh, where does it go? Jesus heals a man on the Sabbath to show that he is God. It was nothing else. He could, again, as I said before, he could have done it on a, on a Friday or a Monday or a Tuesday, but he chose to do it on the Sabbath. And that was basically, that's where the tension was, was to show. That he is God. So what does he do? Verse 14. Jesus meets the healed man a second time in the temple. Jesus meets him even though this guy was just blaming him. Jesus gives him a second chance. Doesn't he do that with all of us? Second, third, fourth And he says there, he says, See, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Now for the Jews and you know, even for us Christians too, we have this concept that uh, if I'm going through suffering, especially this man for 38 years, that must be related to some sin from the past. And maybe that is true in some cases, and the word does say that. But there are instances in the word that it may not be sin. You know there is this incident uh, in I think it's John chapter nine verse seventeen, where the disciples come to Jesus and say, and said, "Did this man sin, or his parents sin, that he's born blind?" And Jesus' response there was, "Neither this man sin, nor his parents sin. It was for God's glory." And so this whole incident here was for God's glory there is so we don't know if this reference here is about any sin in his life but it is a reminder for all of us not to neglect sin God's grace and mercy are sufficient for us and that's what's important he also says What could be worse? This 38 years of suffering, or be completely lost? All of these uh, three examples I took this evening. We looked at this man, we looked at Nicodemus, and we looked at the woman at the well. All of these were unworthy of God's gift. All of them. It's the same with us. We too are unworthy of his grace and his mercy. So let's be careful that we don't take it for granted. But instead be thankful for what he has done. I was reading uh, Norman Geisler in his book on miracles and the modern mind and he says this about miracles. He says, Miracle is an act of God that attracts the attention of the people of God to the word of God. He says, Miracle is an act of God that attracts the attention of the people of God to the word of God. So the reason this incident is here in, in the Gospel of John, is to draw our attention to the Word of God. And that what he continues to do, he's done it in our lives, and he continues to do in others' lives. Verse 16 to verse 18. We see that the Jews are really, really mad. If, you know, Jesus has gone against their establishment, their positions, their rules, and everything that, all these extras as they had added, he's gone against all of them. And verse 16 says, verse 16 says that, you know, they're upset. And they want to persecute him. So they start the process of persecution. And if you go further down to verse 18, it says they ultimately want to kill him. So see the progression there? They persecute him, and then now they want to kill him. And just a little later, Maybe a year later or so, they have their say. On Good Friday, that's exactly what they did. They wanted to get rid of him, so they put him on that cross. But God's plans were different. Jesus had different plans. Because he he took a detour to come to this earth for you and for me. Just like this man. As far as Christ was concerned, it says there, he, in chapter four verse 34, he didn't care about these people, about their Sabbath- Sabbath rules, because he was God. And verse 4:34 says, "He was about his father's business. He didn't have to keep the Sabbath because he was God. You and I, of course, we do. But Jesus didn't have to. But Jesus continued on. He didn't care what they were going to do to him. He was about his father's business. And verse 17 of the same passage says, his father did not rest, and he was not going to rest. So he was going to continue on. And if you go further in John's gospel, you'll see again and again and again he makes sure that he heals on the Sabbath. Because he didn't need to keep the Sabbath. So what are some of the applications for us? When we started the series, we looked at why John wrote this gospel. And he wrote, he's, he's talking about that in John chapter 20, verse 31, where he says, but these are written. So of all, everything that happened, all the incidents, These few incidents that are reported here, including this one, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have eternal life. So it is written to two sets of people. First, if you're a non-Christian, if you're an unbeliever, you don't know Christ as your Savior, it's written for you too, so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ and for us who are Christians those who know Christ as their Savior and that we are disciples of Jesus it is to strengthen us these are examples for us to learn from so as I close let me just uh, bring out just a few applications if you are if you are not a disciple of Jesus have not asked Jesus to come into your heart and save you from your sins. He is making that offer to you. Just like Jesus went looking for that one person, or that one man who had been there 38 years. He came looking for you. He came that he would die and rise up the third day. He's, you know, his message is really simple. I grew up in the east. I'm from India. You don't have. I don't have to go to the Himalayas and stand on one leg, or you know, go dip in the Ganges or another river. I don't have to do any of that. You don't have to, you know, keep following those rules. All. It's a simple message. Is accept Christ. And become his follower. For us who are Christians who've committed our lives to Jesus, what's the message for us? You know, some, yes, we are going through some struggles right now. It's it's really hard for some of us. The situation's hard. First thing, first thing that Jesus is telling us is. You can keep, I can keep trying hard and hard and hard again and again, maybe for five times, ten times, in this case 38 years, and get the same result. But Jesus is saying, stop, come to me. Jesus is saying, just give up, I got it. So that's the first message for all of us who, are, who know Christ as our Savior. So trust Christ in your situation today. Like the paralytic man, just let go and let Jesus take it on. Second, be thankful for your salvation. Be grateful to God for what he's done. Because it costs God everything to make us his children. Be thankful for him. Thirdly, are you about your father's business this week? Jesus was. His fa- the father's business is only one. Of course, is you know take glory to himself. It is that humans would know him as their savior. So can I make a commitment to myself? in front of the Lord this evening, saying, yes, I will stand up for Christ. Yes, it may be hard, but I will stand up for Christ. I will tell others about what, you know, the salvation that I enjoy, how he's changed my life. That's the message I will leave you with this, this afternoon. Will this encounter with Christ alter the trajectory of your life today? And this week that's before us. And I want to give God the glory. Ben, you want to come?